Welcome to another episode of Conversations on Our Way. It's the 12th of October, 2020. I'm Flo. I am Samuel. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about one of Netflix's latest projects, The Social Dilemma. And I've just rolled off finishing the entire, uh, I guess you call it a documentary, right? Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts? Um, how, can you start? Because... All right, because I'm, yeah. I'm pretty fresh. Hey, yeah. when did you watch it? You watched it a couple days ago. I watched, uh, watched it on. So today is Monday. Yeah, I watched it on half on Friday, half, the other half on Saturday. <laughs> you split it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I just fell asleep halfway yeah. through. Not gonna, not gonna lie, but I'll tell. Oh, I'll, oh. It, um, but it's because like the things that they talk about in the the documentary, I already know. So mm. I, it didn't catch my attention as much as I hoped mm. it would. So, mm. yeah. So I want to hear your opinion first. That's why. Okay. So firstly, disclaimer, I actually did watch the first, I started at like first 15 minutes as well. I think sometime last week, probably on Tuesday or Wednesday after we gave ourselves the assignment to watch this documentary. <laughs> and then like obviously life came in the way. And so I've only just finished the last an hour and a half, I believe, or an hour, 20 minutes. Interesting. Okay. Um, there were a lot of things that I already knew mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, what social media is doing to our greater population, um, how it's changed our generation in particular, growing up with technology, um, the psychology behind, you know, the likes, dislikes, the the pings and all the basically like human training really and um, mm-hmm. conditioning. So I already knew all of that. I, what I was more interested in seeing was kind of how they, it's not quite sens- sensationalized it, but they've made it, they've digested it in a way that's such a, like a visually appealing format. Um, oh, like you, at the you mean end, how they, they like they presented it. Yeah. Like the three guys, that yeah, I thought that was, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. And like how they kind of also identified that, you know, there were three goals. It was engagement goal, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty much trying to figure out how to get stay get you staying on the platform as long as possible and engaging. Mm-hmm. And then there's the growth goal, which is growing the number of users, mm-hmm. and then the advertising goal, which is all their revenue. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of like more fascinating because I probably have a bit more of a business hat on recently. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, the, the way that they visually portrayed it, especially at the end when the, um, they've kind of popped everyone into like a spaceship kind of module. Everyone's kind of like in their own little bubble and everyone's getting, has their own oh. three guys. I, I kind of like that scene because it's like you notice how notice how everything's like either red or blue. Yes. Yeah. yeah so it's like either Republican or Democratic. Mm. Yeah, and like yeah. So I I thought that was kind of cool as well. Yeah, yeah. but I like the whole um, sci-fi kind of feel and look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tell, like obviously, because it's a it's an entertainment piece as well. You can feel the music and it's kind of telling you to like feel the intensity like you know this is an issue and um yeah i just i found it quite i like the way that they did the documentary to be honest it was was very engaging um Mm -hmm. but yeah a lot of the stuff i already knew 
um, it was kind of interesting to see that pretty much all the people who spoke on the documentary who were interviewed, mm-hmm. basically they're all recognizing the part that they play in all of these what they platforms. have created. Yeah, what they've really created. And it's kind of like they went in, it's, it's like, oh, this is fascinating how to kind of like hit those goals, engagement, growth, um, advertising and things like that. But then they've kind of come to realize the impact that they've had on humanity and how they've ultimately really changed the way that people operate. And even though I already knew this, it's kind of like the fact that Facebook or um, social media platforms can literally change or tell people how to behave and think. And now they're trying trying to like do documentaries like this to raise awareness, to reverse that effect. Right. I'd be so, interested to see what the the Facebook activity or usage uh, in terms of metrics, whether it dropped after this documentary this. came out. Yeah. Yeah. Would be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. But that, it's that interesting. Would be interesting yeah. That would be interesting another, another thing I've noticed is because before I started watching The Social Dilemma, um, I was served a recommendation to watch Oh, what's his name? Chanath. He oh. was head of growth for Facebook, one of the very early ah. executives. And I've been watching, I watched his Stanford Business School um, interview. It's kind of like a, they do talks and stuff on wait, the Stanford did, Business Channel. Wait, hmm? pr- you didn't Pranav Yadav, the, the, the video you just sent to me? No, no, not that one. Oh, okay. Um, this another is a, one. Okay. This is another guy. Um. But yeah, it's just been, he's now an American venture capitalist, but basically, yeah, he was head of growth and pretty much according to the social dilemma, he pioneered a lot of the growth strategies that are pretty much the Bible to Silicon Valley now. Mm -hmm. I think his name is Chamath Pilihapitai. I'm not going to butcher this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Uh, I I got served his video as a recommendation I'm not sure whether this was before or after I actually started The Social Dilemma. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know the saying that it's like, you know, all your devices are listening in. Um, but yeah, it was fascinating because, you know, he already started talking about the, the, the science behind it, but as well, very candidly, what he's trying to do and kind of, in a sense, also reverse it. Um but yeah, just really fascinating. Mm. What what did you think? Um, so I actually am not a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. So my reason why is because I, I agree that it's entertaining and it's good, mm. especially, especially people who were not exposed to this issue before beforehand. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good for that 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 aspect mm. it's ra- raising raising social awareness of, of this problem that we have mm-hmm. and making people rethink like how they, how they spend their time on their phone so yeah. that aspect is really good but mm. what i don't like about the film is it's too doom and gloom doom and gloom yeah they oh, okay they don't, like, yeah they don't provide a real solution to to this they the whole film they build the build attention up saying okay we built this it's ruining our lives. Pe- depression rates are rising. 
and like I remember I wrote this down because like the, how the end of the film was like the interview asking Tristan or Tristan I forgot his last name Tristan mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Oh, um he they asked him oh do you think we'll get there there as referring to like a better future with social media in place but um regulations regulations that control control for the bad the bad stuff right yeah and he ends with oh we have to and that's the end of the documentary which i didn't really like because <laughs> they don't they don't dive into saying how how we're going to get there they don't really label what the true problem is they do you get what i mean I get what you mean in terms of they don't give you like a flat out solution type thing, but I think it's what the the documentary is for is to build awareness for starters yeah, and then pretty much enough. start that conversation because ultimately they're not the decision makers. Um, so I guess it's kind of... But who, who are the decision makers though? Well, they're asking, pretty much what they're asking for is, you know, we need regulation around it. And it's, even though it could be a really good thing, but the fact is we don't have enough regulation to curb what the big tech companies are doing to really stop them from, I guess, doing these things for nefarious purposes, even though, even though, like, you know, that might not be the intention, but in the end, it's kind of like I think what the goal was. It's like the documentary builds awareness, starts mm. the conversation, and then eventually, in uh, eventually, it'll go up into what the people want, and then it'll go up into the political aspect of it, and then that will enact regulation from that from that process. Yeah, I I, I guess that's fair enough. But um, didn't like Facebook and Google already get questioned by the U.S. the Senate? beforehand already mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i don't i don't hear anything um tangible coming out of those so i don't think it's also quite so tangible i think what came out of those hearings and investigations actually came out was the whole movement towards that like awareness of what your privacy is mm-hmm. i think that was probably the biggest thing rather than like what the underlying reprogramming of like every all the our entire generation now is back then i think it was more so like privacy concerns and that was like the big hot topic so now i don't know that you've noticed but um google facebook all the social media platforms and things like that they're a lot more transparent in terms of what they do with your data and things like that um but as well I found that across all my platforms, I'm able to also download all of my data now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a giving you the sense that you have more control. So but, yeah, in that I, I, sense, it's kind of like taken that route. But ultimately, I yeah, I agree that's happening. But um, what they Tristan said something really. I think really key in in the documentary, mm-hmm. he, he he said the problem is manipulation f- from mm-hmm. humans, right? Mm-hmm. And these technologies are just tools. Mm-hmm. So as long as there are bad people out there, and the tools are available to them, this problem will will always exist. So I'm not sure how we can solve this problem. Mm. 
I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, it's like the nature of human greed and capitalism. It's yeah. It's it's not something that is going to be solved overnight, and there's no clear solution. I think it's. I guess maybe that's why they took that doom, like that doom and gloom stance. Like I said in the mm. documentary, maybe mm. they they thought of a solution themselves and can't think of a like a re- like a reliable or a realistic one. But, I mean, it's kind of like it's like the two sides of it. It's from the ethical standpoint. It's um pretty much once you recognize that it's like it's manipulating your users and things like that, then from the ethical standpoint, it's kind of like shut it down. Mm-hmm. And that's what the regulations are meant to be for. It's meant to call it out and stop it from happening. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, it's this whole new understanding of information, how things work, how people work, understanding human behavior. It's predictable, right? And so that's that can also be used. Yes, it's a tool. It can be used for greater things, um, for better things, connecting people and whatnot. But the thing, yeah, it's like two sides, pros and cons. Um, and it's such a convoluted and, and s- such a deep entanglement of an issue that it's, yeah. Yeah, so I don't. Like it's really good that they, they brought up this problem because there's all, like there's two ways of going about it, right? This mm-hmm. solution. One is we cut social media off completely from society. Mm. That's impossible. Mm. So we can only result to the second second way of dealing with this is how we can work to um, have it better integrated into our lives without the negative consequences, right? Yeah. So. That I don't. That question I don't know how how to answer. Mm, yeah. Because they're... like you, like you said earlier, like the um, like although they are making it more um transparent that they are focusing a lot on data privacy, security, etc. But the like the techniques of how hackers get get these get this information is always one step ahead. Yeah. Like, uh, for for example, um, on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who post movies mm-hmm. onto YouTube or, or Facebook video, mm-hmm. and people just watch stream the move the movies through through that, right? Mm-hmm. Have you watched like have you ha- have a movie like that before? Watch a movie like that before? Through Facebook? Yeah, through through like Facebook or YouTube, just like a whole like. Hollywood movie. I have I have seen a yeah, I have. Yeah. On YouTube, so, not on Facebook though. I yeah. They are they some did. on Facebook as well. So yeah. how how um and so YouTube and Facebook they they understand that was going on, right? So mm-hmm. what they did was um they had algorithms to scan through the videos, see mm-hmm. if like if those are like copyrighted videos or um. etc. and they can just remove it inst- instantly. Mm. But then the people who uploaded videos found a trick. They put a filter on the video. Mm, maybe that's because like, once you understand how the algorithm works and how the bots scan it, then... Exactly. So... You counter. Yeah. So 
after that, um, Facebook was like, okay, they, we know how to do a filter. They, they know how to use a filter. So we're going to scan for filters now. Then the hackers, in turn, they minimize the, they minimize the video into the screen. So it has a frame. So now, so it's oh yeah. So my so my point is like it's going to keep ping ponging back and forth between the hackers and the the um people at at the um companies, right? The That's evolution. Team. You can't yeah. stop that. Yeah. So, what is your point? I guess my point. Yeah, I guess my point is we can't. We can never stop this. <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> I don't think it's. <sighs> Our, it's within our nature to kind of go back and forth to challenge what society is doing and think outside the box, see how we can do things better, faster, more efficient type thing. So I don't think it's, I can see where you, it, it's like a never ending thing. It's like, it's like a battle that never will end type thing. But at the same time, why stop it? I mean, the the good thing I can see is that the conversation is going. But yes, I do recognize that this documentary doesn't actually give you any answers. They don't actually give you like real reasons why to stop using social media and things like that. It's more so like, hey, be aware that this is what's happening to you and your brain every single time you use social media type thing. But I was actually, while I was watching, I was thinking about how I used social media growing up because I... I'm on the cusp of what Gen, Wait. what's what's Gen Z and millennials. Let me search this up. Millennials. I think it's nine. Yeah, it's just like the cusp in terms of the year. So millennials, so, 1981 to nineteen ninety six. Oh really? I thought it was nineteen ninety five. I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, depending on the definition. Yeah. But regardless, it's like still within that age group and that generation. So it's kind of, I'm seeing like everyone who is younger than me and just having a look at their lifestyle. Cause obviously just even the few grades below when I was in school, you just see like how they live completely different lifestyles, completely different priorities compared to the, the, like the older kids pretty much. What they grew up with, what TV shows they grew up with, what devices they grew up with type thing. And like even just thinking that, you know, when um, I think it was 2018 and just having people around you who are adults and it's like, Oh, I'm 18 years old. I was born in 2000. So it's just like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Flies. It's kind of weird to, to hear that. Hey. Yeah. Any, anyone who's born past 2000 is like bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, it's just people who are that... two, um, just turned 18 are born in 2002 now. Yeah. No. That sounds um, so weird. Yeah. But it's the fact that they they literally grew up with technology, technology. Mm. We were probably a bit more on the cusp. You know, we still had, you know, going out and play and things like that. But they grew and they lived, breathed technology. Um, so it's just like thinking about like the the social cues and how much I was on technology or how much I was on my phone when, you know, Facebook first came out. And I can think about, if you ever go back onto your Facebook account and just scroll through the old wall posts that you used to do, and it was when Facebook first came out and became like a hot thing, 
it was like everyone was posting between each other's walls and mm. things like that. So the yeah, conversation, wall chatting, wall yeah, wall <laughs> chatting, right? Now everyone's doing it privately on their own messenger conversations. Yeah, and but just you, going, and you try to post something on your friend's wall, they'd be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, exactly. So because it's so weird, it's so it feels so public now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but... people are gonna go look. <laughs> Yeah, but you know how like some of your friends will post or like like a really really old post just to bring it back up. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That technically can just also be a Facebook algorithm to kind of get people back onto. Because I think it was a period of that. But they do the memories thing, right? Every well, day. they do the memories thing is yeah. yeah exactly. So that's probably where it came up that someone was probably A/B testing. You know, what if we showed someone's embarrassing first or second wall post mm. type thing and yep. just showed it on someone else's feed and then someone else just likes it and then that onslaught of, yeah. Creates conversation, yeah. like back and forth. Yep. Yeah, engagement. Yeah, pretty much, right? Or like they'll react to old photos and things like that. And it's not even just you looking back at the photo. It's someone else. It comes up on someone else's feed and then mm. that starts the engagement. So that's what I liked about the documentary. It kind of highlights that aspect. It's like all those little things. Like, for example, um, I think in, in the documentary, it was an example where he was off. Um, they were in the classroom and the kid was um, waiting for a response from the girl. And then so it would send like an, a little ellipsis to kind of show that she's typing. Yep. And then that just made me think about how I use social media and how I use like Facebook Messenger and things like that. When I'm seeing someone typing, I am more likely to stay within that conversation mm. rather than go and do my thing. So I'd like wait for the person to send their reply, reply to that, and then go off and do it something. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting seeing all the little, little minute details in how they keep you on the to increase on your the, engagement yeah, time, yeah, on the mm. platform and keeping you engaged. Um, so that's what I liked about the whole demonstration with the three guys and you know picking yep. what um, ads to put up, what's the next content's most relevant in terms of engagement, the resurrection protocol type thing. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole so the resurrection protocol in the documentary for anyone listening, it's pretty much when. The kid had to put his phone away because um, he made a kind of like a bet with his mom. It's like, mm. if you can not use your phone for a week, she'll pay for a screen replacement. Mm-hmm. And the bots, the three guys in the <laughs> in behind the app pretty much was like, how can we get him back type thing? And they used a post of his ex-girlfriend's new relationship status, mm. kind of hook him in. And then like kind of like the onslaught began. So it was just interesting like reframing it that way um and kind of contextualizing it in more ways like you know like oh that like i do realize that when when something happens to a friend or something like that i'm more likely to be on the app because i want to know what's happening and things like that and then like little things like the ellipsis and things like that um another thing i found fascinating was how the engineers behind all these little features, like some of the people who are interviewed, like the co-founder, the like button and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, and I thought that was very interesting how it's kind of like <laughs> they they created this tiny little thing that is so such a normal 
um, everyday occurrence on this platform, but it's actually there's a whole role around it. It's like um, all the Google products and things like that. It's like you know, person who started Gmail or person who um, started Google Maps or yeah, those are probably a bit bigger because they're like specific apps and specific software products. But for Facebook, all the little things, Marketplace was probably built by someone. The like button, um, the feed. It's quite interesting how the fact that I, I never really understood, oh, I never really kind of clicked. Um, even though I'm pretty sure I've heard it before, but the fact that your newsfeed is called a feed psychologically plays on that as well. Oh, okay. I never realized that until you t- yeah. just told me. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> Whoa. Mind blown. But yeah, I, yeah. Th- these things do have like a big effect. Yeah. They and they always they talk about in the film like when they created these things, they only had good intentions, right? Exactly. The like, yeah. The like button is like we want to spread love and pos- positivity. They mm. they didn't know that would like make people like oh feel insecure if they don't have insecure. as many likes exactly. or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. So it made me think about like how everything has like a pro and con. Mm. So there's a consequence for everything. Yeah. So which goes mm. back to the conversation we had before about like um these things will always keep ping ponging back and forth. The good, mm. the good will keep fighting with the bad, and one 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 side will will win for a bit, then the other side will like find a way to take over for another bit and mm. go back and forth. So, you know what's fascinating though is that I don't really see it as good or bad because I guess because I'm more I feel more aware. So it's mm. kind of like the science behind it interests me and intrigues me. Mm-hmm. I don't really see it as good or bad because in the end, I don't know, I just, I guess I find it just fascinating overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand how it can be perceived as bad because, you know, it feels like, oh, I've been manipulated my entire life. I think mm-hmm. I did not make this conscious choice. Yep. But the fact is, is that we're learning about how the human brain works and how people behave uh, in different ways and against different stimulus. So in, in the end, it's just all a big, big learning curve. Fair. Yeah. So, like, t- taking, um, being conscious of time, because mm-hmm. we are consciously trying to hit the half an hour mark <laughs> instead of That's 45, right. to, 45 to an hour. Um, so our friends can <laughs> yeah. digest within a run or something like that. Yeah. So, um, my question today mm-hmm. is, um, it's kind of two parts to it. Number okay. one, how would you think your life would be if you if we didn't um, live in this digital age? Okay. And two, would we really be happier without social media? Mm, okay. First part, how would our lives look like without our digital age? Mm. How would 2020 I... look like without like social media, without Facebook, without Twitter, Reddit, YouTube? I think the biggest thing besides the the whole social connectivity thing is the free flow of information. Mm. It's how fast information flows, how like, for example, we've touched this on a, on a different podcast. It's like how, um, like for example, the stock market, how fast it can react or how, how much bigger the impact is because information just moves so much faster than 10 years ago when the GFC hit or, before in the dot-com boom type thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
So in terms of how life would look like, it, I don't think it would... Honestly, I think this kind of development is inevitable. Yeah, I think we're just trying to describe that we would just end up describing the days before. Yeah, it's the difference yeah. would be the acceleration of the rate it's, it's happened. Like, for example, mm. at what point of this technological journey are we at? Yep. So even though we could be in 2020, it's like we could be still very early stages, but inevitably we'll still reach that same point. So you're saying, or, if, like, let's say we have parallel universes and we jump through to another one. Yeah. They will also have their own version of Facebook. It's not so it's much just, they would... It just yeah, depends yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. what time, what year they, they get it. Yes. It's kind of like it's yeah. inevitable that this, um, like, social platforms, with the with the, the invention of the internet, it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, in another parallel universe, you could say that in 2020, we are 50 years from where we are now. Mm. So, like, they may have already regulated all of the social media platforms Maybe. and it's all completely integrated. Like we have Androids running around everywhere type thing. <laughs> VR and AR are a huge thing. Like, But in the end, it's kind of like the question begs, it's uh, why, why think about that so much? It's more so it's just like, it's inevitable. It's, yep. You can't control it anyway. So yep. you just might as well do what okay. you got to do with your life now. Then I guess the, the second question is a bit more relevant. Would yeah. we really be happier without social media? Would we be really happier with social media? I think it would be more... Um, it's not so much whether happier or sadder. I think that's really very much relative. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I think that what social media and technology has done today is kind of given us a new form of stimulus. Mm. So, for example, if we didn't have the whole digital age we would find other things stimulating. And that's pretty much what the you know last 50 years people have found stimulating or before the before computers came into play. Yeah, but do you know how um, they always bring up the argument like when newspapers got released, they mm. were complaining when newspapers are, oh, everyone's just looking at newspapers and stuff. And It's then, because it's a source of information. That's why, yeah. yeah. So I'm not a big fan of that argument because that, mm. yeah anything new that comes up, they're going to have like complaints about it. Oh, it's good. It's going to change the, the industry. Like the, I, I, I can't think of an example at the, on, top, <laughs> on top of my head at the moment, but yeah, it's just not a very good argument because change is inevitable and we just have to adapt. Mm, change is the only constant. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was trying not to say that because it's so cliche, but <laughs> then you said it. <laughs> You're welcome. It's on my home screen. Um, but in regards to what the, your second question is that I think what technology and social media has done is kind of amplified mm. that relative factor. So it's like we feel happier and we feel sadder more deeply, I think, because of all the stimulus happening. Mm. It's just like shooting. It's left, right, and center. It's, it's an overload almost. Because so you, it's, it's fighting for our attention 24 hours a day on your laptop, oh, on every device, on billboards, on your Spotify, your, so your let's say, So are you saying, um, let's say our um, mood is 1 to 10, zero, like yeah. 0 to 10, 0 is sad, 10 yeah. happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying we experience 0 and 10 more often? 
Yes. Compared to before, would yes. Like let's say a neutral is five, we would mm. occasionally um, fuel a three and occasionally fuel a seven or eight. Rarely fuel zero or ten. Like yes, I think if we did like if we run the stats, I think because of technology and everything, we have higher highs and lower lows. Because the, I think what what social media and technology has done is that it's fed us a lot of artificial stuff as well. Think mm. about um, the effects of social media and like you know kids being becoming depressed and secure and things like that, right? You you're giving all the stimulus of getting all these likes and things like that, but then when you don't get it suddenly, you you feel that depression because you went up to a ten that when your lack thereof, you drop down to a, a three or a zero. Do you get what I mean? Yep. I completely agree. Yeah. Whereas, but at the same time, you can also like argue, you know, whatever stimulus that you have, you know, pre the technology boom, that can also give you, you know, a 10 and a zero. But what would give you normally a 10 and a zero would probably be like, uh, probably like more so achievements or emotional stimulus. Oh, sorry. I can't even say emotional stimulus because everything is emotional stimulus. But like, <laughs> human interactions, you know, getting a hug from your best friend or um, a death of a pet and things like that. Like those kinds of more life stage dependent kind of cues. Mm. Whereas now with social media and technology, it's just bang, 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 24 hours a day. Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of the elasticity of it all, yeah. I think you can hit 0 and 10 or negative 10 and... <laughs> up 20s type thing or 100 way more way way more yeah yeah and that's 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 my answer you do you have any anything you add for your answer not really um, <laughs> yeah because when i thought of this question at mm -hmm. first i didn't know how to answer it oh, okay like of of course the um initial answer I think initial reaction will be yes, we'd definitely be happy without social media. But like when, after I thought about it a bit more, mm. like yeah, happiness is very relative. And mm. I think it kind of stems to um, it, this question kind of connects to the first question I asked before. Mm. Um, how would life bef be like before social media, right? Mm. I think we, what our happiness right now is, is subjective to right now because we have yeah. these technologies. Of course, and I agree. Yeah. So and. I will, like a five out of ten right now, compared to a five out of ten without social media technology, um, without technology is a di very different. Is, is very different. Completely so, different. Yeah, I think that's why I can't really. I don't. I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> I, I don't think we can have an objective answer on that. So, just so if there's no point to add, <laughs> and this this podcast ends with oh, okay, there's no point to having this conversation. Let's <laughs> No, it's good to have this kind of conversation. I think it's quite interesting being and having those kinds of questions still. It's mm. kind of like thinking. I like hypotheticals. Mm, same. It's just understanding, one, how, how we feel, the initial reaction of it, but then also understanding the, the parameters around it. Mm, mm. And so that's why I gave my answer in terms of like, well, in the end, happiness and sadness is relative. Um, mm. But yes. So yeah. You, yeah, so you know um that video you just linked to me just now oh, about yes. the the yes. Forbes thirty under thirty how yes. this guy became CEO of um by twenty five. Yes. Um 
I could link it in the description below. Uh, description look, click at the link <laughs> description below. Uh, <laughs> this first what time I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, his comp, what he does with his company for uh, for the for the listeners, um, Flo linked me this video of this guy who became a CEO at age twenty five, and Click what bait. he does, yeah, <laughs> and what he does with his company every Friday is have something called a philosophy, philosophy Friday. Friday. I really and, like that. Yeah, I really like that. So uh, yeah. This this is kind of like our philosopher right here, right? Yes, pretty much, exactly, and that's yeah. why I really enjoy all these conversations. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe we should maybe on our way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like now we should have done it on Friday now because Philosophical Friday sounds so great. Definitely going right. to do that if in any company that we go to, we'll try and like either enact that or if we ever start our own company, definitely doing that. <laughs> now I think we should um, trademark uh, Wednesday. Tr- Nah, Monday conversations on our way. <laughs> so every Monday, people are thinking, okay, tomorrow, what's the con- what's for the conversation? Conversation on our way. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that sounds good. I yeah. think I like that too. <laughs> I guess um, that's a good place to end off. Yeah. I think so too. I think we're done good on time today. Yeah, I think we're a bit, we're getting, we're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting there. We're, we're getting on there. our way. Yep. <laughs> All right, I think it's getting too cringy now. All right. Okay, all right. Let's stop. All All right. right. Have a good night. It was good talking. See you in the next next episode. See ya. Bye.